This podcast is sponsored by Zoll. Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. Many volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noach Ayala trails. And units available in Tamaria near the Kinara for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Middle 7 is in the water with the boat. Backup units needed. Hi, welcome to another episode of Real Life Rescues. I'm Raphael. And I'm Dovi Mizell. And today we're joined with a very special guest, uh, our Gavi Friedson, who is our, a rock star. An absolute rock star. Uh, Director of International Emergency Management. Management. And he was uh, our mission leader in, in uh, Puerto Rico after uh, Hurricane Fiona struck there in our relief mission. Uh, so, Gavi, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. And we're going to talk a lot about what happened uh, in Puerto Rico and it's part of our relief mission there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stop. And Raphael, how do I always say? Let's back it up a notch. So just, just to get all you guys um, uh, on board and, and what we do internationally. So United Hatzalah, besides doing first response uh, and EMS in Israel, also has uh, international uh, emergency response teams um, that assist in disasters globally. Um, uh, we've spoken on uh, previous episodes about Surfside Miami disaster last year that we participated with our uh, unique uh, psychotrauma unit um, and other disasters uh, worldwide. And just recently with... Uh, now the Hurricane Fiona that hit uh, in uh, Puerto Rico. Then uh, we got calls from the community there um, and we offered our assistance. And Gavi was chosen to lead the mission there um, with his vast experience um, in these missions. And um, in the past, Gavi will be able to share a little bit also about the past missions in Hurricane, uh, I think it was Harvey or, or Irma. And, and bring a little bit about um, your experience on the ground there, what we uh, tried to focus on, bring our own added value, which really was focused less on the search and rescue on this mission, more on the psychotrauma and psychological uh, first aid. Um, and, and I can go on for as long as I want, but uh, I've got this very special guest here. So Gavi, please take it away. Share a little bit. Oh, what an honor to be here with you both. Seriously. I mean... Who would have thought? I mean, hurricane season comes and goes as we're used to and always being with our, our hands on our pulse and making sure that we're ready from moment to moment if we need to get uh, deployed anywhere. And uh, hurricane season came. It was actually a pretty relatively quiet one. And then all it takes is one. And Hurricane Fiona was almost at a category four. It was a five. And then it decided to hit Puerto Rico where it did. And we, you, you called me. You decided to... Nominate me as the... Well, you happen to be in the area. Um, we were assembling the team here in Israel. Uh, but you, Gavi, happened to be, if I'm not mistaken, you were in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, when when uh, Hurricane Fiona... I was at our gala, at our Los oh, Angeles gala. The Los Angeles uh, event. So I figured closer to the neighborhood from Israel is uh, you. And with your experience, I said, Gavi... Grab your jump kit and, and get on the next flight to Puerto Rico, basically. Which I did. I ended up the next uh, day in Puerto Rico, uh, meeting the team from Israel who landed at the airport in San Juan. And um, we were just go, go, go from there. All right. So let's talk about some of the, uh, some of I guess, the mission of, of what you guys were going for. What was the goal of the mission uh, for uh, the relief effort in Puerto Rico? So... 
correct me if I'm wrong, Dovi, but every mission that we send or we deploy a delegation, the first crew is always to go and assess, make sure that we the know, go team, the go team, make sure that, and now we obviously we we create that go team with the right and relevant resources in terms of uh, medic, uh, psychotrauma. We split it up with a bunch of different uh, professional background and, and capabilities that we're able to be on the ground. Even while we're there assessing, we could still do some treatment and help and respond. This, our primary goal is to see, first of all, what's going on, be the eyes on, on the ground to know, is it something just like when we did with Ukraine, that first mission was a smaller mission. We realized we needed to send in more, you know, calling for backup, which we did. We we were able to just hit the ground running because of the situation. I mean, the infrastructure in Puerto Rico was, it's not so great. So give, give us like a description. What is it like? You're showing up in, 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 in Puerto Rico. The place was just hit by a massive hurricane. Um, powers out in most parts of the city of the island and, and give us a little bit of your personal, uh, um, experience. What does it feel like? I mean, you're going out there, you're, you're the go team. You're, you're, you're need to report back to me, um, and, and let me know what else we need out there. So first of all, describe what it's like. What is your initial goal? Who are the people that you're going to contact there? Obviously, we're doing some back office work and connecting you to some uh, to some peers on the ground there from uh, from the uh, different agencies there. Um, but but share enough you know, from a personal perspective and 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 you know give give us the feel of what it's like. Look from a personal perspective, you always uh, you know expect the worst and hope for the best, and you never know what you're actually about to enter. You you assume in your mind you create all these scenarios that it's going to be very chaotic. It's going to be a place that's a complete disaster zone. Um, which we actually really saw when we were dealing with uh, uh, the Hurricane um, Ian. But it's funny. It, it's not funny. You just learn so much about it. When you land, you expect one thing, and then you're kind of surprised as, as it's kind of uh, a little bit different in your mind. So you like the duty-free shop was open at the airport. Correct. <laughs> it so, was. Yeah. <laughs> it, the duty-free shop was open. Well, that's Puerto Rico for you. Puerto Rico is kind of um, familiar with really bad infrastructure. Them not having power on a Tuesday or a Thursday, even with no hurricanes, kind of normal, right? They know the grid is not working. So it's like, it wasn't even like they expected when I first landed um, any of that, um, you know, when I was talking to the people in the airport, if you didn't actually go to the hurricane hit zone, which is about a two and a half hour drive from San Juan, they wouldn't even, you wouldn't even expect it, you wouldn't even realize that there's a hurricane going on. So first, when you landed in San Juan, I got a little lucky. There, there's cars, you can rent a car, you could stay at a hotel, there's somewhat power. Um, and the fact that the traffic lights were off in some of the intersections, again, that's just normal. So maybe that's the, that's the biggest uh, contrast, is leaving the area that isn't affected, driving two hours, and getting to disaster. So what does that feel like? That is a whole, that's, that's, that's when you like enter the big leagues, you know, you're leaving the minors, you're entering the bigger, and that's exactly where kind of reality strikes. And that's where you see where there's really just the flooding, the aftermath, uh, the, the soaked terrain, the absolute, you know, the, the real, 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 uh, destruction, right? You get, you get there and you see the need, you see the massive need for people to, to be on site to help. Um, you see the sadness in their eyes. You see they're, they're worried. They've lost their homes. They've lost everything. Um, when, once you get there, it's kind of like, um, excuse my friend, shit hits the fan, right? I don't know if you're allowed to say that. Beep. <laughs> you're allowed to say that. Here. I think it's, a, it's an EMS uh, podcast. I, so. I think they'll handle it. Uh, guys. Swearing, <laughs> swearing kind of goes with the territory. But that's when you're like, just go, go, go. And I, I was, I was blessed to have a great team from Israel, um, who all wanted to work. They didn't want to sleep. They didn't want to eat. They didn't want to do anything but work. And we, we really just hit the round run going and we just, 
every day, um, driving those two hours. Um, there were some parts we couldn't even stay in. So we had to drive back to San Juan to reassess, but we were there the whole day. Um, we got to meet with, uh, Levi Ortiz, uh, through the Chabad there, he introduced us and we could be partnered with them. We were delivering food, water, humanitarian supplies, um, medications. We were going house to house in every village. We were checking on people. We were working with the police in some villages that were not necessarily so safe for people like us to just walk into, but we made sure we had security for our teams. Rule number one, EMS safety. Um, so we never compromise on that. And we really just were able to help the community and being one of the only countries in the world from afar with the Israeli flag on our shoulder, I thought it brought just so much pride. They, they loved us. I mean, they were just in shock that we came from where we came from. So, so I, I know that when you were, when we were talking online, um, as, as you got to the field there and you hooked up with the law enforcement, um, and, and that's what really made the difference in getting to the places that you were most needed. First of all, you had protection there because obviously Disaster sites are known for uh, the insecurity uh, situation um, for the responding teams. Um, that said, I, I think also, and you mentioned this when we were talking live back then, um, was that how the the uh, the need was not only for the people in the community, but for the first responders themselves. Maybe maybe you want to address that. We found that I remember um, last year in Surfside. Um, Rafael, we were there together. Yep, and 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 we found how effective it was, and what the, how great the need was for the first responders themselves. So it's uh, like like uh, I'll take a page out of Adobe's book and say we'll back up a, a little bit, <laughs> back it up a notch. Um, the psychotrauma crisis response unit, which is the one that was dispatched with Gavi to the scene, provides emotional and psychological stabilization. We mentioned that a couple times in our podcast previously. Uh, their work is mainly uh, after the initial EMS teams are there after. Uh, the police have shown up and the disaster is, is somewhat mitigated from a physical perspective, but they're coming to deal and help deal with people and help pick up the pieces on an emotional side and a psychological side, helping people figure out how they can move on, bring back that glimmer of hope uh, that helps people continue on from a, from a tragedy like this. Like you were saying, the fact that people came from abroad, from a different country, uh, our organization was one of the few from a different country that actually went. Now, there was FEMA, there was other American organizations, but from an international perspective, uh, I think when we were we were one of the few that, uh, that sent the delegation to Puerto Rico. Um, and just the fact that people came from a different country was a huge comfort and a huge uh, factor in already opening doors to be able to talk to the locals. And like you're saying, they, they loved us just because they came from, we came from afar to help them, showed that they weren't alone, that people cared about what they were going through. And that is already negating one of the big uh, elements that creates uh, a psychological or emotional stress reaction was the feeling that they're going through this problem alone. So the fact that you guys and the team and Gavi went and showed up already helped people realize they're not alone. They're going through this and there's other people coming to help and other people care. Uh, and that's one of the aspects that helped both the locals and the first responders. I'll back me. it up a little bit to 2017. We're to all hurricane. doing it now. <laughs> there we go. What did you start doing? I set the bar. <laughs> uh, 2017, Hurricane Harvey back and Hurricane Irma, those back-to-back hurricanes of Houston and then the Florida Keys. What we recognized there when our psychotrauma team was in those shelters um, and helping out when everyone was evacuated, they weren't just helping the people. They had a line full of National Guards troops that they were treating because they all had PTSD from... Um, or whatever, some post-traumatic, whatever you know, deployments they had in the past, mostly Hurricane Katrina. So 
So Hurricane wow. Katrina came in there and really affected a lot of those troops. And all of a sudden, I'm standing there in this shelter watching a line full of, you know, at first I thought it was just, you know, they were lost. And then, no, the head of the you know, the unit comes over to me and like, no, we've been treating them. We've been treating the National Guard troops all day. And I understand you had, you had something similar here because Hurricane Fiona came five years after Maria. Maria, right. exactly. Which, yep. which hit Puerto Rico pretty hard. And all the first responders that we were working with. So the, the officers that we had with us that we were more there kind of to protect our team saw what we were doing on the ground with these children. And then they said, wait a minute, we kind of want to get in on this and started with one cop, went to another officer. And then the head of the unit was called in. And then we just had an entire, you know, uh, police station of, of people that of first responders. And then we ended up going the next day to actually one of the community colleges, uh, which we'll get into Vasquez in just a minute. Um, our new Israeli ambassador um, from <laughs> Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. And, it was just amazing to see how all of a sudden, uh, it, the, the second we started working within, it's kind of just goes so fast how much it just, our, our reputation was growing. It's like the Hebrew people have arrived. They kept calling us the Hebrew people. <laughs> you know? Oh, we do speak language. Did you tell them you're from DC? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't the, matter. The, the majority of the team wasn't. So that's, that's what mattered. And, um, it, it was great to be there and really help the communities and help the first responders. And even getting to talk to the cops on the ride back to, to our hotel where we were staying, they said they would never, they were always afraid to visit Israel. They always imagined Israel was full of rockets and missiles and terrorist attacks. And they never in a thousand years ever thought of even wanting to come to Israel. And all of a sudden, all these cops are saying they're going to save up money for their next vacation to come to Israel. Wow. Amazing. So I think one of the one of the things that correct me if I'm wrong, one of the things that was very helpful for the mission you mentioned Levitt Ortiz, you mentioned Louise, uh, w- was that before the team even got there, we made connections with local communities uh, in San Juan, and they hooked you up with with Levitt Ortiz, who knew the land, knew the lay of the land, knew where a lot of these neighborhoods were that needed help that hadn't been reached by other first responders or relief organizations yet. And was able to just immediately direct you guys there. It saved a lot of The key is working with locals who actually know the area, who know the community, especially in Puerto Rico. Um, and just with the sensitive, you know, dealing with a village that's very, very poor. Uh, there could be a lot of crime. It's good to always work with a local who who's familiar with that community and was willing to take I us I think in. also culturally. Culturally, there's a lot of nuances that you coming from the outside are not familiar with. And I had this experience, whether it was in Haiti or in Nepal or in all of these areas, that that, that working without someone local, you, you're coming to help and you might end up offending, hurting, and, and, and not doing the right thing because you're not familiar with the local culture. So I think beyond the security issue, I think it's very important because we want to make the, the most positive impact as we can. Yeah, and you just always have to take that into into mind. As much as we want to help, there's so much that goes that we need to make sure that we can protect our team. And and even if we have good hearts and want to help them, and and many of the people in those communities are, there are people that, you know, bad apples that take advantage of bad situations. In Florida, you have signs, you know, you loot, uh, we shoot, or, (laughs) or loot here, die here. And even people the, like rhymes in Florida. They love yes. they do. They do. But there's first responders that even the fire department was telling us, do not knock on that door. And even in Puerto Rico, we walked into a couple of homes we should not have. And we immediately knew we said we're sorry and we walked out. Didn't matter what we were there for, whether it was for, you know, delivering food and water. Um, they happened to have been building, you know, it was a meth house. So we went into the wrong one. <laughs> they were rebuilding their meth house that was washed <laughs> away. Um, that was like the one thing that didn't get washed away. <laughs> they had good infrastructure. But yeah, you know, you just always have to, you have to also have a lot of common sense, which unfortunately is not very common these days. 
And um, you need to really just have a, a smart mind and work as a team. And that's where we did excellent job is we all had radio, satellite phones. Um, the tools that we had provided us, um, you know, with what we needed to make sure that we can be an effective team and yeah. uh, really do our job well. Now, you also had some tag-alongs in Puerto Rico. Um, let's talk about uh, your first one. Uh, when you guys arrived at the hotel, you told me the story that there was uh, one of the security guards from the hotel ended up joining your team. What, what, how did that go? We arrived at the Hampton Inn, which was an amazing choice right across from the airport, right across from the Chabad, right across from our resources that we needed locally. It was an amazing, I mean, 6,000 miles away, you're trying to figure out where we should put the team. Excellent choice um, because all the other search and rescue teams, there was a whole Civil Air Force team that, that took over. That's us in back office, man. That is, man. <laughs> that is. back office. Yeah, really, pat yourself on the back because it is. We get there and we see that like, they've taken over. They've had their own little mini command centers in the hotel lobby. This was like where the command and control was for a lot of different other agencies. So it was amazing to already make those connections from just stepping into the hotel lobby. Now we're the next morning getting the trunks ready, getting our equipment ready, passing out all of the uh, walkie-talkies. And all of a sudden, the the security officer from the overnight shift, this young guy, Luis Vasquez, sees us and he's like, I'm in a paramedic school here. Um, I saw the Israeli flag. I wasn't sure. I see emergency response team and just introduces himself to one of our, one of our medics with us. And she just invites him. She says, come with us for the day. They didn't even ask me. I'm the mission leader. I, and all of a sudden I see him getting his bag ready. He's running upstairs. You know what they say about Israelis. We have everybody's supervisors. Nobody's uh, floor workers. <laughs> everybody's, bo- everybody's the boss. Yeah, it's basically. And you know what? She was so happy that he was thrilled to come that it, that makes her happy and she could do her job well. And he seemed like a great guy um, who really wanted to just help us. And actually he was unbelievable. The fact that he spoke fluent English and Spanish was able to help translate up until today. I mean, he's still posting on Facebook pictures from that week. We gave him uh, the flag of Israel, the flag of United Atzala, and he takes it everywhere he goes. He invited us to go speak to his school at the community college of paramedics and instructors, and 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 they loved it. I mean, uh, Tamar got to give a course on the psychotrauma model of what we do and how we're effective uh, in the field, and then we were doing simulations with that whole entire uh, class. And this is just imagine you meet one kid who's a security guard, young guy, what twenty one years old at the at the hotel lobby, and all of a sudden he's part of your team for an entire week. Right, and he was also doing a lot of translation for you as well, because yeah. I know your your Spanish is is still un poco. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm just some gringo, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so he's it's a, it's another case we're having a, a local guide to an extent, but also a translator, someone who knows the culture, knows the language, who can automatically connect with you to the people you're you're trying to help, and that builds a lot of the bridges and breaks some ice, which is one of the challenges that our psychotrauma team, as people coming to provide psychological first aid, have difficulty with usually. Uh, especially dealing with people from a different culture and a different country, as we mentioned before. Um, so that was definitely very helpful as well. And, and you mentioned Tamar's Dr. Tamar Schlesinger. <laughs> um, Dr. Was- Tamar. Look, it, it's an intense environment when you're on the ground and, and you're hungry and there's no power and there's no water. And as a team, I don't even think we ever think about us being hungry because we're, we're in such an environment that we're in a little bit of a culture shock. Kind of, and, and, and your heart goes out to the community there who's suffering. I mean, at some point we're going to get the fly and leave that place and go back to our everyday lives. 
but you do stop for a moment and see that you know they're they're not flying somewhere else. This is what they have to deal with. This is what they have to rebuild. This is you know the destruction that came to them um, can last a very long time. And unfortunately, in Puerto Rico, there's a lot of corruption, and a lot of them didn't trust FEMA. They didn't trust certain resources that in back in Hurricane Maria five years ago promised them one thing, and they've never seen it since. So why would they trust them again this time? And you know, it's not our job to obviously deal with those local bureaucracies, but. Uh, we do listen and we do understand where they're coming from and all we can do is help them with, you know, what we're able to provide, whether it was the medication or, or food or water or help get them to medical attention. Um, but we do it. We did do a lot of listening and especially the psychotrauma team who who just touched so many kids lives, um, who saw the water coming in, who felt they were like in shock. Some of the kids said they, they thought they were going to die. And all of a sudden our psychotrauma team is, you know, handing out straws and and playing with them and lollipops and candies and um it was just we've managed to just within one minute of meeting them turning it into a family a village of a family right now you mentioned straws and lollipops and uh and those are tools that that again break the ice and get the work flowing and the work flowing is providing psychological first aid so it's it's really talking and listening hearing their fears and then helping them alleviate i guess the most uh, serious ones at the moment. I remember uh, Gavi Rurka, who's a social worker who was there, uh, mentioned that she um, she was dealing with children who were afraid of wind and afraid of water or rain, really. Uh, and anytime there was a wind that blew or a rain, they started crying and and you know running to their parents. And that's that's a situation which is untenable over a long term because uh, those are natural occurrences. Uh, and she was able to help help them through that by using. Some of those methodologies of and helping the straws, work with straws. helping with the breathing. Um, I was doing it myself. I sat there and, and kind of like wanted to see exactly what this method does, and it works. I mean, the fact that the first responders and the police officers were lining up for their own sessions <laughs> proves that I mean something was working for sure. Um, and I've seen it back in 2017 and all the way through Surfside and until now, and and whatever's to come. Um, our team is so effective, and I think that's what that's what is really the the most fascinating part here. That's why we keep sending them all over the world. <laughs> so you're ready for your next trip? Where's it going to be, Dovey? Tell me now. I don't know. Why don't we just wait and see? <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things that I think over the last little while, United Cell has gotten really good at. And I think a lot of this has to do with our experiences from um, you know, Harvey and Irma and then again in Surfside and this year in Ukraine, uh, which we're still working with uh, continuously. And uh, now again with, with Fiona that we've... We've seen we were able to come in and build, uh, I guess from an operational perspective, uh, do research, find the local connections, send a team to work with the local connections and work with local. Very focused without wasting any any time uh, searching and looking at, at what we're going to do. Rather, when, when you and the team hit the ground, you know who your point of contact is already and, and the, 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 the basic work has been done and you can immediately jump in and get to work. Right, we found that we found that uh, was very effective in Surfside as well, uh, where you know sometimes we learned from previous missions where we went and we didn't have that point of contact, we didn't have that local connection, uh, where it's it's incredibly effective and it it alleviate takes away that that searching for the first day or two, even especially in a short mission um, where we have to go in help as much as we can before the situation changes or alleviates or or dissipates, um, and provide as much relief as we can. Those days can be critical, especially when we're talking about, you know, day after, two days after the incident occurs, already having people on the ground, knowing what where they're going, knowing uh, what they're going to be doing and how they're going to do it. 
um, it's it's incredibly effective and, and it works. I'd also add one of the benefits are that because we're an NGO, because we're not dependent on the government, you know, always, they always say you have to coordinate, you have to make sure you can't just send from an international militia, but we're able to do that because being a nonprofit, we're able to get together and do things that the government can't necessarily do. We saw that in Ukraine. You know, it was a very touchy, uh, that whole situation between governments of Russia, Ukraine, Israel, uh, that we were able to have an international field hospital on the ground there because we're not, you know, uh, supported by the government and financially and, and tied to them in that way. So there's a lot of th amazing things that you're capable of doing when people are asking me, like, how do you just get up and send a team so quickly and get there is because that, that's kind of one of our plus size that we're able to just get the team ready and send them. We're not waiting for the red tape bureaucracy for the invitation in certain plan. We obviously we have an invite and we have locals on the ground that want us and want to work with us. Um, but we've yet to get to any place where they said, no, thanks. It was always warm, welcome hugs, please stay as long as you can. And, and we're here to help and work with you. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, to an extent that our, our, also something we talked about in the past was our Israeli chutzpah of, Wherever all this is really technology. <laughs> wherever, wherever uh, there there is a need, we show up. When and Dovi mentioned in a previous podcast, you know, if someone closes the door in front of us, we kick open the window. Um, so as long as the airport's open, we're going. And truth is, even if the airport's not go open, like in we'll Moldova, find our so way in. <laughs> we found our way in, like in Moldova, where we came in through Romania and then opened the airport for them, uh, <laughs> or, or with them, I should say. Um, but uh, a lot of a lot of good is coming out of these these missions, I think, and I think that it's 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 a little bit of a force multiplier, which is another phrase that Dovi likes to say a lot. Um, in that we not only help the people who are helping immediately at the scene, whether providing psychological first aid or emergency medical care, or providing water or food and those connections, but we're also making connections with pe between people who don't necessarily already have them. We did this in Surfside. Uh, we connected a whole group of people who had fled the building with the local services and relief efforts, um, which weren't aware of them beforehand. And I think we did this here a little bit in, in Puerto Rico as well um, with Levitt Ortiz and his organization PR for PR um, and with Luis uh, Vasquez. And uh, we also sort of started building a relationship with another first response organization called FREMS, uh, which is first response EMS, uh, which we've started to ho hopefully work with and maybe we'll build a partnership with a little bit later on. Uh, based on your team's work there. Uh, and I think those things are going to bear fruit over time. Um, and the people we helped are now helping others and learning how to help more people. You mentioned that we uh, we also went and started giving lecture and class in the paramedic schools. So and now they're going to be aware of psychological first aid in cases of their patients as well. And that's also a force multiplier with teaching a whole crew of new paramedics. And they want to come here. They already want to figure out a way to get a class trip to Israel. Um, what is done on on a on a state level of just representing you know Israel, this tiny country the size of New Jersey, and showing what we're capable of doing, and obviously due to our expertise from the situation that we have with life on the ground here, um, we don't keep it to ourselves. We want to share it. We want to help others. We want others to learn from it, and we want to make the world a better place. And I think that's something the United Cell does just an excellent job at is really finding volunteers, even on the holiest of days, from the Jewish holidays. It, we had no problem finding volunteers who were willing to sacrifice being with their family to get up, leave the country and go thousands of miles um, 
to just help, help fellow strangers, help people they've never met in their life. And even just my phone, my phone was flooded with volunteers messaging me, asking if they could join, how many are going to be. Obviously the assessment team is not that many compared to if we need to send in a bigger team for backup the second time around. But um, it was amazing just to see how many people were willing to come. So Gavi, Superman, um, <laughs> <Not yet. laughs> Mr. 20 years EMT, um, disaster management expert. Um, it's great having you here in Israel for this podcast for the, right after the holiday. And uh, we're looking forward uh, to seeing you again soon. Wishing you all the best of luck. And thank you for joining us here on this podcast. My pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Gavi. And uh, we'll hear, hopefully uh, we'll get you all next time. Thanks for listening.